Gastric bypass surgery has received significant attention as an up-and-coming treatment for type 2 diabetes. At the same time, encouraging results are coming in on laparoscopic gastric banding surgery for diabetes as well. How does gastric banding compare with gastric bypass in treating type 2 diabetes? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Diabetes. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon, and our guest is Dr. John Dixon, Associate Professor of Medicine at Monash University Medical School in Melbourne, Australia, and Head of Obesity Research at that university. Welcome, Dr. Dixon. Hi, Dr. Hill. Dr. Dixon, briefly, describe your research for us. Well, what we found was that in patients who were in a body mass index between 30 and 40, that is class 1 and class 2 obese patients, who were randomized and they had type 2 diabetes for less than two years, they were randomized to a program of conservative diabetes treatment, that is the therapy that's conventional along with a lifestyle program, and the other group, a conventional therapy, conventional diabetes therapy, plus the laparoscopic adjustable gastric band to try and induce weight loss. We know, of course, that weight loss is terrific for type 2 diabetes, and hypothesis was that those that had the band would lose more weight and therefore be more likely to go into remission from their diabetes. Now, how much weight do you really have to lose? Do you have to lose all your weight to become perfect BMI, or can it be 50%, 30%, 20%? Well, after surgery, people tend to lose about 50% of their excess weight. So if they're above, say, a body mass index of 25, their body mass index of 25, that might be your ideal weight. If you're 100 pounds above that, then your excess weight's 100 pounds. Typically, with banding surgery, people would lose half of that. That's 50 pounds. But Actually, the remission of diabetes we found in our study came on when people had lost between 10 and 15% of their body weight. So if they lost more than 10 to 15% of body weight, they were likely to go into remission with type 2 diabetes. Now, that doesn't seem like a great amount of weight to lose 10 to 15% of your weight. It's not, but it's so difficult to do. You know, all the studies looking at type 2 diabetes, we find that on average, people lose less than five pounds and keep it off. It's very, very difficult indeed. There's been meta-analyses on this, and with diet and exercise and even pharmacotherapy, it's very difficult to sustain significant weight loss. Even a small amount of weight loss is beneficial. In other words, if you take a patient who's 300 or 400 pounds, and on a conventional diet program, it's difficult for them to lose that 30 or 40 pounds? It certainly is, and particularly if you've got diabetes and insulin resistance. Why is that? When we lose weight, our fat reserves deplete, and we have hormonal changes that try and reverse that process. We try and put our weight back on. You know, we're built to defend our fat. We're built not to starve. So hormones such as leptin levels become very low, insulin levels become unusually low, ghrelin levels tend to rise, PYY levels tend to go down. All of these things stimulate our appetite and lead us to put back on that weight. Do the results show that the patients can keep off the weight after surgery? Oh, yes. There's no doubt that bariatric surgery is the only method where people can lose and maintain a substantial amount of weight loss. Some people can do it if you like, conventionally, but that's a very small portion of people. 
bariatric surgery produces the effect in most of the patients who have it. What's the longest out that you've had a patient from the gastric banding surgery that has been successful in keeping off the weight? Well, most of the patients are successful. We started this program in 1994, and of course we have patients from 1994 who have maintained their weight loss. But when we've got substantial numbers now out to 10 years and beyond, and they do maintain that 50% of, of excess weight loss. The best study on this actually is, is the study for the Swedish obese subject study, which actually demonstrates that all of the surgeries tested in Sweden, this is you know around 20 years ago this started, um, all of those procedures now out at 15 years produce substantial sustained weight loss and by the way, save lives. Do these patients ever say to you, Dr. Dixon, boy, I'd really like to have a big Christmas dinner or a big Thanksgiving dinner? Oh, they do. And I think one of the interesting things about these patients is that if you say to them, is there something you're missing because you have a band? Are you deprived? They tell you almost universally, no. They love their food. They love the flavors. They love the tastes. But they're satisfied by a much smaller meal, and that meal satisfies them for a long time. No longer do they have to dive on their food and eat large amounts of food quickly. So they actually have this tremendous feeling of control, but boy, they still enjoy their food. Are there other things that improve metabolically when they lose weight and they don't need insulin anymore? Look, I think the most wonderful thing about treating people who are obese with substantial weight loss is that every disease that is associated with obesity improves dramatically. Hypertension, for instance, is, is so strongly related to obesity. It goes up exponentially as the body mass index goes up. So many of our patients, as in this particular study, were able to stop their blood pressure medications with weight loss. Also, the dyslipidemia of obesity also reverses. So many patients can, in fact, stop their statins and their drugs used to manage their dyslipidemia. In fact, if you think about the key targets in diabetes, glycemic control, hypertension control, lipid control, you're actually controlling all of those because they're all related to the same disease process. If you have just joined us, you are listening to a special segment, Focus on Diabetes, on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and our guest is Dr. John Dixon, Associate Professor of Medicine at Monash University Medical School in Melbourne, Australia, and Head of Obesity Research at that university. We are discussing gastric banding and gastric bypass surgery for type 2 diabetes. Dr. Dixon, Roux-en-Y gastric bypass is certainly more commonly studied, at least in the United States. How does the laparoscopic gastric banding procedure compare with this? Yes, the Roux-en-Y gastric bypass is more commonly performed in the United States. I'm not sure that it's more commonly studied. I think when we look at the literature, the actual extent of the literature on these two procedures is actually very similar, if not more, for the banding procedures. However, it's far more commonly performed with the bypass procedure, the weight loss is much more rapid and much more intense over the first 12 to 18 months. But then there's a slight weight regain and the two procedures produce very similar weight loss at around three to five years. Can you describe briefly what does the Roux-en-Y gastric bypass do and how is this different than the laparoscopic gastric banding? Well, the laparoscopic gastric banding is just a small pouch just below the gastroesophageal junction. The Roux-en-Y gastric bypass has that small pouch, but Connected to that small pouch is a roux limb of jejunum so that the food goes from the esophagus into a small gastric pouch and then it bypasses the stomach, 
the uh, duodenum and the upper jejunum and gets placed in the lower part of the jejunum. As a result of that, there's a fairly immediate suppression of appetite and some hormonal changes that are quite favorable and assist with weight loss. Is there some degree of malabsorption in the Rouen-Y procedure? The standard Rouen-Y procedure that's performed most commonly in the United States really doesn't produce malabsorption of macronutrients, carbohydrates, proteins, or fats. But it does lead to some malabsorption of micronutrients because it bypasses key areas of the gastrointestinal tract, the stomach and the duodenum and upper jejunum. These are important areas for vitamin B12 absorption, calcium absorption, and iron absorption. So typically with the RUI patients, they do require and they will require lifelong supplementation of these micronutrients in order to prevent anemia, bone disease, etc. Is there a significant difference in risk and morbidity and mortality related to gastric banding as compared to gastric bypass? Oh yes, they're very different intensities of procedures. Many gastric bypass are performed in the United States and the mortality risk is about 1 in 200. The mortality risk with the gastric band is about 1 in 2,000. And many of the gastric bands in the United States are actually placed in day-stay surgery centers. In other words, people come in in the morning and they can go home after lunch. They don't actually have lunch, but they can go home in the afternoon following their surgery. Then why would there be more people getting Rouen-Wise than gastric bands? Well, that's a good question. I think in Australia, where I come from, 95% of all bariatric surgery is banding. But you see, we had banding, laparoscopic banding in 1994. It wasn't available here until 2001. And between 1994 and 2001, there was an explosion of interest and skills in surgeons in the United States and their ability to do the Rouen-Y gastric bypass laparoscopically. So in fact, during the interest in laparoscopic bariatric surgery in Australia, we had bands. Here in the United States, you had bypasses. And people had thought that purely restrictive surgery wouldn't work, but we've rethought that. And certainly we're finding the results of the banding in the United States exactly the same as that we see in Australia and Europe and elsewhere in the world. In the United States now, what percent would you guess is gastric banding? What percent is wrong? Why? I think it's approximately 35 to 40% would be gastric banding. It would be probably 45 to 50% Rouen-Y, and the remainder, we're not sure about how many biliopancreatic diversions, which is a malabsorptive operation, and there's a new operation, a sleeve gastrectomy, which has been performed in some cases. So in fact, most of the operations, the bariatric procedures in the United States are bypass number one, band number two, and it's probably the two procedures will be done probably with similar frequency within the next year or two because of the increase in the, in the use of banding. Other than the rapidity of weight loss in the Rouen-Y procedure, are there other advantages of the gastric bypass as compared to the gastric band? Yes, there are. There are advantages and disadvantages. The advantage is that gastric bypass seems to do something beyond weight loss to type 2 diabetes. It appears to produce a very early remission of diabetes or improvement in diabetes. And we believe that there are a number of reasons that this could be the case, but we're not sure exactly which one is the reason. For instance, we do know that if you put food in the lower jejunum, you get secretion from the L cells. We get a secretion of GLP-1, and this stimulates insulin production and secretion from the pancreas. So it appears that Rouy gastric bypass produces an effect on diabetes that is initially above that of weight loss. 
but ultimately it's the weight loss that really drives diabetes and it's the weight loss that ultimately will produce the sustained remission. Have there been comparable studies to using the Rouen-Y gastric bypass as related to improving diabetes? There haven't been any randomized controlled trials to date. The only randomized trial is the one we have done. And I think people have felt that there are ethical issues in randomizing people to a surgical therapy and a non-surgical therapy. It's very difficult, you know, to get people who will be willing to come along and see you and you talk to them, you say, you are entering this trial, you have a 50% chance of having surgery and you may not have surgery. The people who really want the surgery can't come into the trial. And of course, anyone who doesn't want surgery can't come into the trial. You've got to get a very gifted group of people who are willing to take their part in the study and know that they have a 50-50 chance and they can't decide and we can't decide what they're going to get. It's a tough ask. How do you do it in Australia? We took time to recruit and we had to see a lot of people before we achieved 60 patients. This same work is now being done in the United States. There are trials with RUI underway. Now, I talked to the groups that are doing these trials in the United States and they too are having difficulty recruiting patients with that uncertainty as to whether they will get surgery or not. There's been some criticism of surgery to correct what many see as lifestyle deficiencies, you eat too much, lack of exercise, etc. What's your view of this criticism? I find it offensive. I think that we have a lot of poisons in our current environment that are producing a lot of environmental disease. And I think diabetes, the poor people who are suffering from this serious condition, are just the victims of our modern environment. They, I have not met a patient yet who wanted to be fat or didn't want to lose weight. I think it's a lack of understanding of many people in our community that these people did not design their genes or did not design the way they were necessarily fed when they were young and some of these key determinants of obesity in our community. I think we've got to stop the discrimination and stigmatization and treat these people as we do anywhere else in society, even with lifestyle-related diseases such as alcoholic liver disease, HIV, AIDS, many, many areas where you know, our environment and our personal interactions have an effect on disease. We've got to rid ourselves of this stigmatization, discrimination. It's everywhere and it gives us an excuse not to treat these seriously ill people. I want to thank our guest, Dr. John Dixon. We've been discussing gastric banding and gastric bypass surgery for type 2 diabetes. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to a special segment, Focus on Diabetes, on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM157. Thank you for listening.